0: Tonight, as we look at those, this really very short, if not the shortest of the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want us to think for a few minutes together tonight on what it looks like to see God. Because according to this, those who are pure in heart will see God and they are blessed. This is, they are happy because they see God. But what does that mean? There's a song that says, What the world needs is Jesus, just a glimpse of Him. We Think of that idea of seeing God. I was thinking about it in relationship to God. How we relate to God really depends a lot about, or a lot upon, our ability to see Him. Think about your relationship with your work that you have. If you could not see what you're supposed to do, it'd be really hard for you to accomplish the task. Can you imagine trying to build a house and not be able to see? Very difficult, maybe even impossible. Well, I've seen a few people who were unable to see physically but could still play a piano, for example, and I just always thought that was the most amazing thing. You'd ask them, how, how can you play the piano? You can't see. they say, well, I can see with my fingers. I can see with my ears. They still have a relationship to that instrument, so they're able to play it because they're able to see. Even if they don't have physical eyes to see, they're able to sense and to touch and to know and to experience that music through their fingers and through their ears, you think of people who don't have the ability to hear, who are deaf, and yet there's so much fun and so much joy often spending time with somebody as they are communicating just with their hands and with their face. There's so much expression that goes into it. They can't hear, maybe they can't speak with their mouth, but they can still communicate. Why? Because there's some sort of relationship bond through sight, through physical gesture one of the challenges that we have in our relationship with God is the fact that God is a spirit and he does not have a body like man now we know Jesus Christ came in human flesh and so for a brief time you could see God with your eyes but where we live today we can't see God with our physical eyes so what does this mean to see God? Because according to this idea of seeing God, there's something that's really a blessing about being able to see God. Can we see God? What does that, no pun intended, what does that look like in our lives today? These are nice words, right? But if these words have no meaning, then they're just that, nice words. But I think there's some great truth for us to consider tonight about what it means to see God. The first point I want us to see about this idea of seeing God is that the blessing of a pure heart is the prospect of seeing God. So those that have a pure heart will see God. That's what the verse says, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There is this prospect of seeing God. So we know it is possible for the pure in heart to see God. I love what the Bible says in 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall be or when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And the last part of the verse says, For we shall see him as he is. Here in 1 John 3, 2, this idea of seeing God means that we will be like God. Think about that with my children, for example. My boys see me. They might emulate me and in time. And I know it's scary. You look at your parents and you realize, man, my facial expressions look like that my hairstyle looks like them, my body shape often mimics that There's so much that our children become like us, or we become like our parents. And I think part of that's because we see them. Isn't it amazing how even two people, the longer they're married, they start to even look alike? I know for you ladies, that's a really bad prospect. You know, I look like, no. No, but you think about how their facial expressions begin to sometimes mimic one another their reactions and responses why because they've spent so much time together they see one another and that's what first john 3 2 is talking to us about it says when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is now as i was meditating on this i i thought back clear back to the beginning of the bible in the book of Genesis, because remember when Satan, in the form of a serpent, came to tempt Eve? What was the temptation? If you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You'll be able to see or to know the difference between good and evil. You'll be like God. But didn't Adam and Eve already have the opportunity to see God, to be with God? And if, if if being with God, if seeing God allows us to be like Him, then why did Adam and Eve need to eat the fruit to be like God? This idea of being like Him doesn't mean that we become God. But rather, we emulate his, his character, His character qualities, no more than, my son becomes me, but he might try to emulate and walk in my footsteps. For us to be able to walk with God, we need to be able to see God. It's hard to follow a path that you can't see. That's why I'm, I love what Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto unto my path. You can back up just a few verses. Verse 9 of Psalm 119 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And the question is answered. It says, By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I realize I'm giving you the wrong reference for thy word is a lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. That's Psalm 119.105, I think. Is that right? Not verse 11. That being said, God's Word is what gives us the direction to follow the Lord. And it helps us to see Him for who He is. David wrote in Psalm 24, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend unto the holy or into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He answers in verse 4 He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. So who's going to see God? Who's going to ascend to God? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Sounds very much like Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Verse 5 of Psalm 24, He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. This is the generation of them that seek Him, that seek Thy face, O Jacob. Selah, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory, Selah. So how do we see God? The prospect of seeing God? We see Him through His Word. We see Him in His work in this world. How do we approach God? It's through a pure heart. Those who try to get to God on their own path don't ever get there. They may find a God, but it's not Jehovah God, the true God. They may find the God of themselves. They may find the God of this world. They may find some other false God, but the only way to see God is to be with Him. The only way to be with God, for us at this point, is through His Word. I think this prospect here of, that is spoken of in Matthew 5 is a present prospect. We can see God through His Word. We can see God through His past works. But I think there's also a future perspective here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We're looking forward to that day when we will stand before Him face to face. Fanny Crosby wrote those words, face to face, I shall behold Him. Here's a blind woman talking about seeing God. How could she talk about a God that she hadn't seen with her eyes? In fact, she didn't even have eyes to see because she had experienced His presence through His Word, through His truth, through the answers to prayer that she had prayed. She had seen God not with her physical eyes, but she had experienced His presence. She had seen God through the truth of His Word and she knew based on that fact that she would see God face to face with her own eyes. What a wonderful thought. The blessing of a pure heart is the prospect of seeing God. I want us to take a minute and think about the first part of the verse because it says that the blessing comes to those who are Pure in heart. So without a pure heart, you can't see God. I want you to see that the purity of heart is made possible by seeing God. So those who are pure in heart will see God, but you can't see God without a pure heart. And it is only through a glimpse of Him, through seeing God and understanding who He is, that you can even have a pure heart. Let me go to Scripture to help you understand this. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So you have to come through Jesus to see God. You need a pure heart to see God. How do you get a pure heart? Through Jesus Christ. The psalmist wrote about it in Psalm 11, verse 7. He said, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness his countenance that's his faith or his face doth behold or sees the upright say well when god looks at me he doesn't see somebody who's upright that is unless when he looks at you he sees the shed blood of jesus christ that's been applied to your sin account jesus Christ's blood that was shed on the cross his perfect blood that was shed and he had not sinned at all, covers your sin and my sin if we will put our faith and trust in him. So when he sees the upright, you say, well, he doesn't see me. Well, if you're there standing in front of him because of the blood of Jesus Christ, based upon what he's done for you, not your work done for him, but his work done for you, you can stand there as the upright before God. It's a pretty incredible thought. The purity of heart is made possible by seeing God. Psalm 17, 15 says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. This idea of seeing God and having having a pure heart that's made possible by seeing God, I think there's an Old Testament illustration of this that's then repeated for us again in the New Testament. There's a story that was told back during the time when the children of Israel were in the wilderness before they made it to the promised land. They had sinned against God, and so God sent these fiery serpents in among the people, and they began to bite the people, and the people began to die in great numbers. They didn't know what to do, and they cried out to Moses, Moses, help us. Moses prayed to God. They said in verse 7 of Numbers chapter 21, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against the Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Well, that's kind of an interesting thing, a weird thing. Did you know if you've ever looked at the back of an ambulance today, you can see that serpent wrapped around a pole? That's referencing this story in Numbers 21. It's kind of amazing to me how some of these things still get carried on in our culture today. But that might be an encouragement to you Next time you see an ambulance go down the road, because only true life, as we looked at John 14, 6, isn't found in an ambulance. It's found through Jesus Christ. The true rescue that everybody needs isn't just rescued from a heart attack or rescued from an inability to breathe or rescue from some other horrible accident that takes place physically. The rescue that everybody needs can only be done by Jesus Christ. That's what you see when you look at the back of an ambulance or other signs talking about this. When you go into hospital, you see this as well. And this story, Jesus takes from it and makes some application about it in the New Testament over in John chapter 3. Most of you probably know, but in John chapter 3, Jesus was having a conversation with Nicodemus. He was a a Pharisee. Nicodemus was very... Uh, trained, very well educated, he was a man who knew his Old Testament. And Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and he had questions for Jesus. He was confused about some things. He wanted to understand more. Probably the most famous verse in John chapter three is verse sixteen, right? For God so loved the world. But if you go back two verses, John chapter three, verse fourteen, Jesus refers to the story of Moses and the serpent in the wilderness. He says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God, here's our verse, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is making the correlation. He's helping us to see the truth. That that serpent in the Old Testament, that brass serpent that was wrapped around a pole that they had to look at to live, it wasn't just some sort of idol. It wasn't just some sort of weird thing that God told the people of Israel to do. It was a picture of Jesus Christ who would one day be lifted up. And as as all who would look to Him should have their sins forgiven. Verse 17 of John 3 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You see, the purity of heart is made possible by seeing God, by looking to Jesus. I love what verse 19 says of John 3. It says, This is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. That's Jesus. He's the light and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Sometimes that last part of that phrase is quoted, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, and that's why you should have floodlights on your house because people won't be as likely to break in. Well, it's true that if you have light turned on, people are less likely to do bad things, but don't miss the context of what that light is talking about. It's not talking about just a security light on your garage. The light that it's referring to here is Jesus Christ. But we live in a world today that doesn't just hate security lights in your garage. We live in a world that hates Jesus. And they love darkness. They love their own way, and their own sin. You see the pure in heart are blessed because they will see God. But the only way to have that pure heart is to see God through his finished work of Jesus Christ that he did on our behalf. It's kind of interesting. It almost sounds like we're working in a circle, doesn't it? That seeing God is a blessing and those who have pure hearts will see him, but the only way to see or the only way to have that pure heart is to see God. And it seems backwards. Well, the reality is this. The only way to have eternal life, the only way to live a fulfilled life, the only way to live out your purpose in life is to live it in relationship with God. But because of your sin, because of my sin, we can't have a relationship with God. So God had to make a way through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth and he died for our sin so that if we would look to him, we can have that relationship with God. So in a sense, it is a bit of a circle, but it's God on both ends of it. It's God that we're looking to, and it's God who made it possible for us to look to because of Jesus Christ who came and died in our place. Look at the rest of the verses here. I want to look at verse 20 in John chapter 3. It says, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. I think perhaps part of the reason Jesus said this is because there would be those who would say, well, I don't hate Jesus, right? Because here it says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. I don't really hate Jesus. He says here, everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Those who live in sin, they are behaving in a way that is contrary to God. Jesus is making the simple point, you can't love God and love your sin. You can't love Jesus and continue to do wrong and think that it doesn't matter. This doesn't mean that the person who loves Jesus will never sin, right? Thankful. That's why 1 John deals with that. It says, if we say we have no sin, we're a liar, and the tr- we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And verse 9 says, but if we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is not teaching a sinless, perfectionistic sort of lifestyle. Rather, it's saying those who can live in sin and not be bothered by it, they don't love Jesus. Your sin ought to bother you. There ought to be some conviction. There ought to be some concern. There ought to be some sorrow over your sin. Everyone that doeth evil, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be reproved. He doesn't want people to know about it. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. So as we go back to this idea in Matthew 5.8 that blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. We see that the blessing of a pure heart is the prospect. It's what we're looking forward to. And we're looking forward to seeing God. But we also see that the purity of heart. You can't even have a pure heart without seeing God. Because when you see God, you see your sin. When you come to the light, it reveals what's going on inside of you. When you stay in the darkness, covered up, You might feel a little better about yourself and everybody else might think you're okay. But boy, when you come to the light, all of a sudden, it's not a pretty picture. You know what I'm talking about, right? We just put some new lights in the restrooms here. You know why we hadn't done it up to this point? Because the walls were a mess. They had holes and dings and dents and all kinds of stuff. So we spent a lot of time I say we very generously because I didn't spend any time. But other people came and helped and spent a lot of time fixing those walls. And now we can put a bright light on it. We feel a lot better about it. But if we'd put the bright light on it and the walls were a mess, oh, man, now we see all the mess. Even after all the time that was spent, these are still, you know, fixed walls. These aren't brand new walls. So you'll still find things that aren't perfect. That's the way it is for us, isn't it, too? I was like, I want to stay away from the light because I don't really want people to see. And you know, that shows itself out in the church, doesn't it? Because there are things, and you'll see it in people's lives when they're pulling in and coming close. Why? It's because they're trying to get the help that they need. You see people pulling back and pulling away. Why? Because there's something they don't really want everybody to see. And maybe it's not just because they don't want everybody else to see. They may not really want to see it themselves either. And the more they get around the light, they more go, eh, it's uncomfortable. I see that. Listen, if the light makes you uncomfortable, that's actually a good thing. Because that means God cares about you and He loves you and He's trying to show what needs to change. But the reality is a lot of us, when we get in uncomfortable positions, we're like, I'm going to find something more comfortable. But The problem is you may find momentary relief by getting away from the light, but you won't found, find salvation away from the light because the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. You won't find the, the blessedness that comes from seeing God away from the light. The blessedness comes to those who are pure in heart for they shall see God. That relationship, that closeness, that ability to see God comes as we come into the light and let the light reveal all of the mess. And then we begin to follow God's Word. Now that we're in the light, we can see and we can follow Him so that God can do His work of repair and restoration in our lives to make us into the believers that He wants us to be. I get it. It's a painful process. There are times I'd like, I like my darkness. It, it's more comfortable at times. But it's not what I need. We see that the purity of heart is made possible by seeing God. I want you to notice, thirdly, the pure in heart long to see God. Those who are pure in heart will have a desire to see God. The more you walk in the light, the more you want to walk in the light. It's just how it works. The more you begin to enjoy a relationship with God, the more you will want to have it. You say, why is it that way? It's because that's how God created you. He created you to have a relationship with Him. And the more you get a taste of Him, the more you walk with Him, the more you want to have it. The psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, we get so busy, we're running around, we haven't even had time to have a taste lately. God says, taste, enjoy, partake. His mercies are new every morning, Lamentation says, great is His faithfulness. Job wrote about this longing to be with God. He said in Job 19, verse 26 and 27, And though after my skin, worms destroy this body. it's Like, I'm going to be buried and it's going to be gross, right? Yet in my flesh I shall see God. How did Job understand all of this? Clearly Job walked with God. Whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job had a longing to see God. David wrote in Psalm 42:3, My tears have been my meat day and night. In other words, all I do is cry. Sometimes we feel like that, isn't it? It's everything heavy, everything's hard. Just crying all the time. He says, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? David had people mocking him. Where's your God? When's he ever going to step up? When's he going to ever do anything? Why did this bother David so much? Because David wanted to see God. He had a longing to see God. I think the more we walk in obedience to God's word, the more we confess our sin and forsake it, the more we walk in the light, the more we will long to see God. The songwriter said, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. The more you look on God, the more you walk with God, the more you experience His presence through His Word and through His Spirit, the more you trust and obey, the more you will long to see God. I want you to see one more thing tonight as we try to answer this question. What does it mean to see God? I can tell you some places where we can see God. We can see God because He came to save us. Matthew wrote in chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. God came to be with us. Why? So that we could go and be with God. This isn't in your notes, but I just can't skip over it. Turn over to John chapter 3 again. I want to show you one other verse in that chapter that speaks of this idea of the Lord being with us. Look at verse number 13. It says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. The way you get to God is through the one who came down from God. That's Jesus Christ. So back to this point, we can see God because He came to us. God with us. Emmanuel. Jesus came down so that we could go up. What a blessed truth that is. I think we can also see God because That Jesus saves us. And we can see God because he's coming back for us. There's the story told towards the end of Luke chapter 2. First part of Luke chapter 2, you know, probably that's the angels coming and proclaiming to the shepherds that Jesus had been born in Bethlehem after Mary and Joseph had gone there because of the taxation that, you know, Caesar Augustus had said that was to take place and so. You read the story about the shepherds and the angels and all of those wonderful things, and then that part of the story gets over. And often, that's kind of where most people stop reading the story. Because we hear it at Christmas time, and, you know, it's a special story. It's a wonderful story. But if you continue on, there's two really fascinating people that you get to meet a little bit later in Luke chapter 2. One's an old man and one's an old lady. An old man named Simeon and an old lady Named Anna. Simeon and Anna spent a lot of time in the temple. And I don't know about you, but can you imagine being a Jew during this time and going to the temple and there's this old man who's always hanging around there, this old lady? You might think, what are you doing? Don't you have something better to do? We might think, well, it must be nice to be old that all you have to do is hang out at the temple all day. Some of us have to work. I don't know what people thought about Simeon and Anna. I don't think they were too worried about what other people thought about them. Because look what takes place. Verse 25 of Luke 2, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. Look at this. It says he wait he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for this one who would be Israel's consolation. This is referring to Jesus Christ. He was waiting for the Messiah. And it says here, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now, that's a unique statement about Simeon. Because not all believers at this point walked in the Holy Spirit or experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. This is prior to Acts 2 and the day of Pentecost when the believers received the Holy Spirit. So this is a special man. This is a unique man who walks with God. And he had a desire to see God. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Jump down to verse number 29. Because as he's there in the temple, Mary and Joseph come in bringing little eight-day-old baby Jesus. And it's a beautiful story. This young couple comes in. You know, Mary, it's her first child. Who knows? Maybe she's not letting... Many other people touch him. It's her first baby, you know. And and Joseph, he's a first-time dad, so he's kind of walking in. They're not sure what's going on. They're bringing him in because it's time for Jesus to be circumcised. They come into the temple. They bring a little sacrifice with them. They didn't have much money, so they bring the turtle doves, and they come in to make this sacrifice. And as they're in there, Simeon, this old man who spends a lot of time at the temple, he looks over and he sees Mary and Joseph and this new baby that she's carrying with her. You say, well, how did he know all this? But clearly he knew who this little baby was. The Holy Spirit told him. God told him. And Simeon goes running over. He's so excited to see this little baby, Jesus, because he knows who this baby is. There's no one else in the whole temple other than Mary and Joseph at this point who know who this baby is. But Simeon knows because God tells him. And Simeon says in verse 21, or verse 29, Lord, Lord, Now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. I'm old. I'm ready to go now, God. Let me depart in peace. Why? Verse 30, he tells us why. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Here was an old man that all he wanted was one glimpse of God's salvation. The answer the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies and all of those promises going back thousands of years and he got to see God. And he said, that's all I need. That's all I need. And he says, verse 31, which thou, God, you've prepared, has prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Well, Simeon was so excited that day. My whole life is worth it because I got to see that God is faithful. I got to see God in human flesh. I got to see that God meant what He said, that He would keep those promises. Simeon got to see God. He wasn't the only one that day. There was another old person, Anna, this old lady. She's a unique lady. It says she was a prophetess, the daughter of this is in verse 36, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. So she's married for seven years, then her husband dies. And now it says in verse 37, and she was a widow of about four score, 20, 40, 60, 80, and four years, 84 years. She'd been by herself a long time. And all this time, she's known it now as a prophetess. Probably a lot of this time, she'd been helping around the temple. And this old lady, she's just hanging out in the temple. What's this lady doing? Doesn't she have anything better to do? Well, no, she doesn't have any family. Her husband died when she was very young. She's been a widow for most of her life. Can you imagine being a widow for most of your life? I don't know, maybe... Some of you have, I know we have some widows who have been a widow for some amount of time, but can you imagine being 84 years old and you've been a widow since you were less than 20? You think, boy, this poor lady, what a miserable life. But That's not what Anna felt like. In fact, it says, she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers, night and day. I'm so thankful that even when difficult things come in our life, our life doesn't have to be over. We can keep serving God. We can keep following Him. Anna's a great example of that. But look at verse 38. It says, and she, coming in that instant, so this is right after Simeon steps away, she comes up, she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. She praised God. Why? Because she got to see Him. And what did she do? And spake of Him to all them. That looked for redemption in Jerusalem. This old lady at 84, she's running around telling everybody about Jesus because she got to see him. When you get to see God, it's pretty special, isn't it? We say, Well, I haven't seen him. Well, God has revealed himself to us and to you through your word. Through his word. God has also revealed himself to us so that we can see him through his creation. David wrote in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where His voice is not heard. God's Word, it's that lamp, it's that light, it guides and directs our steps. We can, I believe, see God even today. Can we see Him with our physical eyes right now? No. But if we'll look through spiritual eyes to His Word, if we'll look even into the world around us, I believe we can see God. Several years ago, the Lord really challenged me about that thought. One of the reasons we maybe don't grow or continue to grow like we should. As we get to a point where we've seen enough of God and we feel like, all right, I'm okay. and I'll just sort of coast from here. But I believe if we're going to continue to have a close relationship and continue to grow in that relationship with God, we must continue to see God every day. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So it starts with the right heart. I need to be confessing my sin to God. If I've got sin in my heart, I know the Lord won't hear me. It'll be really hard to see God when I've got sin in the way. I confess my sin, get right with the Lord, but then start looking for God. Look for God in His Word. Look for the truth. Look for the promises. Look for the answers to prayer. Be ready to rejoice in what God has done. I was so thankful to see all that God did this past Sunday. He said, well, some people came, we ate some food, we went home. Did you stop and see what God did? Did you know about the family member that came to church for the very first time because their friend invited them? Did you know about the lady who had grown up in Catholicism and, you know, hasn't been anywhere to church in forever, and she's been thinking about spiritual things, and she got invited to church, and she came this past Sunday and heard and said, this is amazing. I've never really heard or thought about anything like this. Did you hear about the one who has come for a while but not really connected very much, and? Sunday said, I need more of this, and I'd like to get with one of the other ladies and begin to study God's Word. I say, well, I don't get to know about all those things. I understand. That's why I'm sharing them with you. But when we look around, we ought to be able to see God. We ought to see God's work in people's lives. Did you see God as we got to witness a baptism Sunday and hear the testimony of transformation that had taken place in somebody's life? A testimony of transformation that was powerful enough that A young man would stand up and say, and if you don't have this, or if you're afraid of standing up in front of others, turn to God and trust in Him. And to hear of another young lady after the service who came up and said, man, I've never been around anything like this. I need to know more about what it means to be baptized and follow God. If we're looking, we ought to be able to see God all over the place. See God in His work. See God in His Word. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to challenge you. First make sure your heart's right. Confess your sin to God. But then start looking for him. Start looking to see him. Yes, there's the hope that someday we'll see him because we'll be standing right in front of him. But I think there's the truth that we can enjoy being in his presence spiritually right now today. We can see him where we go. Lord we got a lot that clouds our vision. We have a lot that gets in the way, and often it's self-imposed. We're, our priorities are wrong. We hold on to sin and don't bring it to the light. are we stuck in our pride. Lord, I pray that tonight there would be somebody here today that would say, I want to see God. I want to spend time with Him. I want to fellowship with Him. I'm tired of looking at all the gray mess and all of the struggle around me, and I want to just look at God, and walk with Him, and become more like Him because I'm looking at Him and not all of the other stuff. Lord, turn our eyes towards You tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.